school starts tomorrow, so I'm a little, little flustered, a little behind the power curve here. Um, why don't we open uh, in prayer? Heavenly Father, um, we once again humble ourselves, and um, we just acknowledge that uh, this is your book, and, and uh, you had these verses set down, and um, we just pray that you would give us insight uh, through your Holy Spirit of uh, how to understand these and, and in the, in the, uh, with the proper respect and, and grandeur that, that you have created, Father. So we just, um, we just want to come before you and uh, just that you would uh, illuminate these verses and uh, that uh, these words would be yours and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come to an interesting, uh, this thing is too loud. I'm getting some feedback and stuff. Hey, how many cooks do we need here in the studio? Jim, put it up higher. Gosh, this is, this is really, this is not the day for a hard crowd, Okay. Because I might actually start handing out grades. And I have to tell you, honestly, some of you are failing this course. Oh, well, he, yeah, there's one less F. Um, okay. Before I was rudely interrupted. Uh, this is, we're at sort of an interesting uh, juncture here. Um, toward the end of uh, Genesis 1 and the first few verses of, uh, could you all get here on time? Next time? No, I, I was late, so actually, if some of you could come in a little later, that would make me look better. Um, the, um, the, as I said, this is sort of an interesting, uh, you know, a junction point here where we're sort of summarizing the first couple of chapters, and uh, these are some uh, verses that you need to kind of pause and, and ponder because they're, um, they're, they're pretty definitive, and um, as well as descriptive. So let me just read, uh, starting in chapter 1, verse 31, through uh, chapter 2, verse 4. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus... The heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Verse 4, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. So just, just some observations. Um, again, this is kind of a summary of what we've seen uh, in the first couple of chapters. Um, the, and each, you could dwell a long time in each word, but uh, we don't have that much time. But And God saw... So this was not hidden. He was observing it. 
wasn't that cosmic fireball that we've talked about that's hidden for 280,000 years. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. This is the first time we see very with good. Uh, and you wonder, you know, why does God need to use a superlative like that? I mean, it's enough for God to say, and it was good, which we've seen a few times so far. But here, he said it was very good. Maybe this is because everything is now uh, this coherent uh, cosmogony, if you will. Everything's created, and it was very good or perfect. Um, it's also, and he says, and behold. You know, these are words that we see a lot, and we kind of just want to pass over quickly. But um, this word, uh, behold, hina, is really low, exclamation mark, behold, exclamation mark, which you kind of want to stop at that. And it means to observe, look, and see, or consider, or witness, but it's, it's stronger than what the English really gives you here. Behold, it was, so it existed, it was very good. The, um, so maybe altogether it's now very good. That might be one way to, to think about that. It certainly cannot be improved upon. It was, at this point, it was very good. There's no indication of any corruption or running down of the universe at this point. There's no second law of thermodynamics or entropy, yet it, the, the universe was created and coherently it was very good. All that he had made was very good. And in uh, 2.1, thus the heavens and the earth were completed. So that's past, done and all their hosts. Um, that word hosts, again, that's we've seen these before, but it, it indicates, um, you know, a large number of constituent uh, elements. The implication here is of an army or warfare, large number of tro troops, just a huge, huge uh, collection uh, of troops. So, um, <clears throat> Lots of uh, individual elements, um, and um, and it comes from a word saba, the, which is the same word that we would read uh, to wage war, or serve, or provide resources. So it's but hosts is indicating it's a large number of constituent uh, elements. The um, the heavens thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. What's the implication of that? Is there some continuing, ongoing evolution to refine the earth and the heavens even further? Don't see it here. Don't see it here. It was completed, and all their hosts. Uh, just a couple of cross-references. If you just uh, want to turn to Hebrews 4 real quick. Hebrews 4, 3, and 4, and here, um, maybe it's Paul, whoever the author of Hebrews is, is talking about the believer's rest, which is really a key point, that we can rest in him. So why don't we? 
Why don't I? Yeah, well, because I was behind this morning, for one. But this, this believer's rest is that he is everything, and we are nothing. We can rest in him. And so, as a part of this passage, in verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, the, the non-believers. And then just, it's not an aside, but uh, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, there you go. We've just been reading about the foundation. For he has thus said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. All his works. And again, in this passage, he talks again about they shall not enter my rest. So we see, you know, little indications that it's a finished creation and um, completed, like it says here in uh, Genesis 2. Um, that word completed, we pretty much know what it means, but it's from a, um, a, a primitive root uh, or primary root, kala, to be complete at an end, finished or accomplished. Done. It's finished. It's complete. And again, we've talked a little bit about uh, hosts. We've seen a little bit at what I told you in the Hebrew, but in the English, it's not much different, but a multitude or great number of things, a host of details. It also says here an army, which was the Hebrew implication. It comes from the Middle English in the 1250 to 1300 time frame, um, and there's lots of uh, synonyms, swarm, crowd, drove, throng, horde, myriad is kind of an interesting, uh, uh, another word we could use, but it's like the heavenly host. You know, when you look up at the heavens at night, the heavenly host, uncountable. And in verse 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, and by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. Boy, does this need to be reemphasized? It's complete. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Now, this rested, um, that word, uh, just means ceased from labor, ceased from, God was not tired. It's just he ceased from, la from his work. Um, that's the Hebrew word Shabbath, which is, a, uh, again, a primitive root to cease, desist, rest, or make an end. So he rested on the seventh day. And then in verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, which was very good, uh, which God created and made. Now that word sanctified here, another word that we kind of hear a lot, and, and, uh, but it's uh, basically dedicated to God. You know, this is the, the day when things were finished, so we're going to dedicate this uh, to the Lord. Uh, to be set apart, sacred, consecrated, different than the other days because there was still work going on. And here, it's complete, and we can uh, rest in that and uh, honor that. And so uh, this word, uh, sanctified, um, again, set apart, consecrated, holy, uh, dedicated to its intended purpose. Um, so clearly, complete. 
again, this reemphasizes that idea that the, the universe was uh, very good, which again is ultimate. It's the ultimate truth of the universe uh, being complete. And uh, here, this the sanctification of the seventh day just uh, reinforces that. Sir. Yeah, when God repeats stuff, what does that mean? And he seals it in the sanctification of that seventh day. You know, hey, we're done here. And uh, it's sanctified and holy. Uh, so that even gives it, like you're saying, Jeff, even more uh, emphasis. <clears throat> in um, verse 4, two, chapter 2, verse 4, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. There are some things we can think about in this verse. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> this is, again, a summary verse of everything we've read so far. This is the, what does the mean here? Absolute. This is the account uh, of the heavens and the earth when they were uh, created. And uh, we'll get to that word when. Why would he use that here, but we'll get to that in a second. But uh, the account, what does that mean? Well, that's the word toledoth, which is, in Hebrew, generations. Uh, so genealogies, uh, order of birth, um, or a record, which is probably the strongest word. This is the record uh, of the creation of the heavens and the earth. It's like a record of births. You know, like the genealogy we see a few places in Scripture. You don't go back and change that. You don't arbitrate that. Ah, what this is really, no. It's the record. Um, so again, that's a, that's a strong term. This is the record. Um, Um, and that, that word account, just to get a little bit of the etymology of the, of the term, it's from the word yalad, which is a primitive root, to bear, bring. So again, it's like the birthing record. This is what it is. It's the, the birthing record. In the English, the word account is a description of particular events. It's a narrative, um, um, origins, um, and uh, it, it, there's also... A, an old ancient French word that's related, a cont, A-C-O-N-T, to count, uh, chronicle, uh, story, narrative, record, history. So you, you get a little color there of the, of the sense of this word. This is the, the account, absolute, or the record of the heavens and earth when they were uh, created. Uh, let's see. Um, chronicle. Story, chronicle's pretty strong. Again, we've used some of the other words. So <clears throat> this, this really summarizes what we've talked about because this is the account of a lot of people, even Christians, tend to just discount 
uh, Genesis because, uh, well, for one, well, we'll never understand it. And, and for two, ah, but that's, that's so ancient. And that's, you know, we've got science now, right? We've heard about that a lot in the last year. The si- trust the science. Yeah, but science can't deal with origins, which is what we're talking about here. It doesn't deal with origins. Science has to be observed or repeatable. And so this is completely different than that. This is about origins. So um, shouldn't be just, you know, and, and actually John Mack has, makes a good point. Okay, so if, and, and a lot of, when our son Matt was getting ready to go to the master's uh, college, we had a session with John MacArthur, and there were, I don't know, 20 or 30 of us parents, and he was really spooled up because at that, that was the time, this was in 98 or so, he was working on his battle for the beginning, which became a book, and his, his uh, study of, of creation. And he was, he was almost angry because only six out of the, I don't remember the exact number, maybe 210 uh, Christian colleges and universities in the country, only six were teaching the Genesis record. That was it. Everybody else said, yeah, we've gone way beyond that. You know, we got science and we've got, you know, cosmology, which they've come up with so much stuff. And, and uh, again, origins. Um, so he says, John MacArthur said, so if you don't want to go with Genesis 1 or 2, then if you don't at least understand Genesis 3 and the fall, why are we Christians in the first place? If there's no fall, then what's the point of all this? And so where are you going to cut off Genesis? Five, six, the flood? You're going to discount, well, a lot of people discount the flood. I mean, where are, you going to, where are you going to draw that cutoff? So it's a good point. We need to start at Genesis 1, and it's part of the Word of God. And we just, like John MacArthur said, just believe it, because it's written. <clears throat> okay, I'm off my soapbox now. Whenever you talk about John MacArthur, you kind of have to get on a soapbox. Um, um, so that's, I, I could spend a lot of time on verse 4 because it's just so foundational. This is the account, uh, something to ponder and, and think about. Uh, but I can't ponder too much more because we'll, we'll run out of time. Um, so if we move on, Let's look at verses uh, 2, 5 uh, to 2, 7. And this is sort of a, one of those little interim narratives of uh, other things going on, you know. Uh, now, no shrub, and I don't completely understand this, because the observable universe today is way different than what was existed here. So I, I can't completely grasp this. But now, no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, And no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth. And there was no man to cultivate the ground, but a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. It's kind of hard to picture because since the flood and since everything else has gone on, we don't, these are not conditions that that exist today. So again, it's, it's the way it was initially. And uh, we just need to need to trust that. Um, now, in verse uh, two seven, so we read uh, two five. Let me just read verse seven. 
this is the key part of this little, little section. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So <clears throat> dust from the ground. So we, we, you know, we, uh, we'll have more to say about that word ground when we talk about the fall. What is that word really? Is it just dirt? Well, no, because everything seems to be made from that. So a better word might be the elements, at least by extension, uh, an interpretation of that, um, the elements. So um, <clears throat> formed man of dust, which dry earth, dry soil, or ground. And so, you know, they're all the elements of the universe, basically in the human body. And so everything is included in that, the elements. Um, so he formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being or soul. Um, living uh, is more than just a temporal thing here. It's, um, it's the word uh, che, which is alive, living one who lives, the, the living, uh, living being. Um, let me just look at a couple of a New Testament references. You don't have to turn there. I'll just do it. Um, 1 Corinthians 15. Remember, man was made in God's image, so that's the place to start. Uh, so 1 Corinthians, I lost my place. 1 Corinthians 15.45. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. This is different than the animals. And then, of course, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So there's, there's more extension to this, this definition of man becoming a living soul or being than just the other uh, created animals. Uh, it's like an enduring person. Um, and again, it's, it's only said of man and it's a picture of the last Adam, which is Jesus. So there's something eternal here, eternal soul, if you will, uh, a soul, a living being. Again, only man, uh, not animals. Um, <clears throat> let's see. If we look at Luke, just go back to Luke 24. Luke 24 and again, just a little context here. This is um, uh, during the, the resurrection period when, when Jesus had been raised. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek? the living one among the dead. So there's something here stronger than just how we, biology has defined life as just, you know, it's everywhere and, and uh, there's, there's something significant about man and the risen man here in Jesus. So the living one among the dead. He is not here, but he has risen. So, um, 
That word being is uh, from an unused word. And you know, we've come to grips with this. What does that mean, from an unused word? Well, it was an unused word by man. It's almost like it was last used by God. Hmm. And so it's in Scripture, so that makes, that makes sense. Um, so from an unused, the be, word being, a soul, a living being, an enduring person. Uh, and again, only man and not the, uh, not the uh, animals. Any questions on that? I mean, there are probably lots, but can't answer them all. Um, so let's, let's go on. We have some time left. So uh, let me just read, starting in, um, yes, question? Yes. You know, I've struggled with this, um, and there's a few places here, like creation of man and woman, that we we see talked about again. And I think uh, the author, inspired by God, is returning to provide more detail. It's the only way I can think about this. It's it's not repeated events. It's he's going back and and amplifying the general event that he referenced earlier. Does that make sense? Well, Maybe not cultivated. Well, again, the only way I can at least sort of uh, assuage that confusion in my own mind is that he's obviously returning to the creation of man and providing some amplification. In every case he does that, he's adding more detail. And so that's the only way I can think about it. Um, And as far as the vegetation thing, uh, I, you know, you can't be dogmatic. Right. Makes sense. But yeah, the fact that he's now starting to talk about the creation of man, he makes that point, which makes that a difference, you know. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. which is the, the, the pinnacle of creation. Let's be honest. Uh, it's not galaxies. Yes, Tom. Yes. 
Just the way it's worded here. Yeah, but, but not in the same sense as a man. And that's the, di- the division here that he's really making, a living soul. It's a lot deeper and a lot bigger, really, than, which kind of cuts the old evolutionary chain, you know, off at the pockets, you, you know. Um, so, well, he can go live with them then, you know, and have fun, have fun with that. That's one definition. Uh, I mean, um, and made in his image. It's not just stuff, Kevin. And he's going back and amplifying it. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point. I think so, amplifying what has already been set down in terms of the days, but providing some more illumination and, uh, and discussion. Hey, Stuart.
No, I think so. I think that's right. And, and animals can't, can't step back and look at existence like we do. There are no philosophers in the animal kingdom that, that I know of that can understand that, that existence like we do, that, hey, this is, as a human, there's a finite end to this, which points you to the Lord. And so it's just, it's really separated. Um, but it's real deep, too, so um, we could spend... A long time on this so let me just and we can always toll a dot here back to if we need to but let's just continue reading here um, <clears throat> if I don't get to the women part of this I'm gonna probably get talked to when I get home <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so what's that no you know and I always make Barb as my, as my another conscience and and as the as the non-physics bad person here. She's, not, she's really not. So. We know that. Oh, thanks. It's, it's, uh, it's good to really see who your friends are. Okay, so let's, uh, let me start at um, of chapter 2, verse 8. Okay, so we'll start at verse 8, and we'll read. Um, stay with me here. We're going to read through verse uh, 20. 2.8 to 2.20. And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in, is in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, flows around the whole land of Havilah, which is Arabia, <clears throat> where there is gold. And, and the gold of that land is good. And Delium and the onyx stone are there. And verse 13, and the name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush, which is sort of like what we know as Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is the Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Those last two we don't have a problem with. You can see those on the map. <laughs> then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. <clears throat> so this is sort of a narrative of, of, of what's going on here before we see how he created a woman as the helper for man. Just a little bit on those rivers. <clears throat> if you, um, 
I don't know if y'all have Bible maps, but I was sort of pondering this yesterday. If you look at your, probably the first Bible map, <clears throat> and you can see the age of the patriarchs maybe is on your Bible map, and you see the, um, uh, the Tigris and the Euphrates, they're pretty prominent because they exist today. If you want to draw the Pishon, maybe it comes to the south and flows all the way over to past the Sinai Peninsula and that area, and the Gihon, which would maybe be south of that. So these all kind of fan out, Tigris and Euphrates and these other two rivers, and flow uh, to the west. <clears throat> That's, of course, what came after this is the flood. And so all, a lot of this changed with the flood. So maybe that's why we don't see these rivers uh, listed today. But um, just, just a little bit on those four rivers, all flowing from the same uh, area. Um, <clears throat> and there's some detail you can read on your own if you want about those different rivers. But, uh, and when it says um, east, I, I think that is east of what? Well, maybe Jerusalem, which becomes the center of the universe eventually. Uh, east, we, we, it's certainly, certainly east on our map because that's where the map drops off, but I guess east in general would be east of uh, Jerusalem or the promised land. <clears throat> okay, so let's pick up, I think we have time to do this, uh, 2.20 again. 220, the, the B part here. <clears throat> but for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. So it's, um, I can't describe this any more than it already is. I have to talk to Jack about the biology of this uh, or Rob. But um, it's, it's an amazing miracle uh, how, and, and, and we had this just discussion of how man and an animals are different, none of those were suitable. Needed to be something kind of at the same level of understanding and appreciation and feelings and everything else in a person uh, like the man. So he takes the woman out of the man and from a rib, which is close to his heart. Um, <clears throat> there's probably lots of other um, uh, figurative ways to, to look at this, but just the facts, ma'am, so to speak here. Uh, so the Lord God caused that deep sleep, fall upon the man, and he slept, and then took one of his ribs and closed it up. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the, ri the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And so this is now bone of my bones, flesh and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. So that's the origination of the woman or Eve um, that we will see later. Um, lots that we can think about there, but it, and it's, it's important because this, this, is, this is the completion of the human race, you know, man and woman. And lots of times when you see man here, it's inclusive of both men and women, but this is specifically man and uh, woman. 
Let me just finish up 24 and 25. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. You just have to sit in front of it. Just read it and appreciate it. And I mean, there's some, some real uh, depth here. Um, but the compatibility of man and woman compared to man and animals, which were first sort of looked at as helpers, and they, they are helpers in the sense of, you know, uh, plowing and things, but there was not the same intimacy that you could have with woman as she was created here. Um, Mostly I care about the cosmology stuff, so if we can move off of this real quick, that would be better. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, good for you. Um, let me just... Um, I, you know, if we've talked and we've spent so much time on so much, much other stuff, I feel like we need to take about three weeks on the creation of woman. But I don't have any more. You know, I mean, this is it. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, and it stands. And so, I, you know, I don't have a lot of physical, in the sense of physical science, insight into that. Uh, Stuart, thanks. <laughs> 